0: Hello and welcome to episode 91 of The Game Pit. This is Ronan and I am joined by three guests this time around, but no Sean unfortunately. Big shoes to fill. Hey everybody! Big clown (laughs) shoes to fill. (laughs) (laughs) This is a Council Chamber special in which we're going to be discussing role-playing games. So, the 20 of you that carried on listening after that, <laughs> I'd better introduce my co-host. First of all is my brother, making his debut in the game pit. Welcome, Stephen. Good morning, afternoon, evening, delete as applicable. <laughs> Very Good. It's an edit yourself episode (laughs) Uh, Back for the second time in about four episodes I'm not sure why but he's here It's Adam By popular demand I'm sure By (laughs) demand (laughs) It's a lot of emails in one day you were sending me Signed Adam's (laughs) mum Mrs Adam same beard and everything (laughs) we said we weren't going to mention that (laughs) and the third one of my co-host this time around back after a couple of years away in the gaming wilderness Part of which is going to be explained today is Lloyd. Hey,
1: Lloyd! How is this episode ninety-one? How have you not gotten better in that time?
0: <laughs> you think? You really would? Are you sure
2: it's not episode three?
0: If you look at the download figures, it would suggest we really haven't gotten better. <laughs> like that. That's not the way that graph is supposed to go.
2: It's about time we change that
0: then. <laughs> Let's do it. We're going to kick on with a discussion all things role playing about how these guys got into it. their are Current games they're playing, the characters, the stories, maybe some hints and tips. Safe words. Can we just clarify it's tabletop RPGs we're talking about (laughs) earlier? Oh no. Okay, so to give you a little bit of an introduction as to where the guys have come from, and indeed myself, we're going to start off with our tabletop gaming background, the board games, card games, the kind of stuff that we usually talk about on The Game Pit. Kicking off with Lloyd.
1: Okay, so I think I'm the kind of uh, classic jaded gamer feel. Um, I've played 17, 1800 different games at this point over the last 10 years. Um, mostly Euro games, uh, dabbled in war games, dabbled in Ameritrash, dabbled in basically everything that comes in a box.
0: Yes, and some quite dense playing, I'd say, there for a couple of years, where you're playing most. You're days. Saying, I'm what? <laughs> yeah, indeed. <laughs> and you branched out into a lot of Heroescape, a lot of X-wing, and recently oh, Heroescape.
1: Yeah. The cocaine addiction was so much cheaper um, And more fun for everyone around you I may have been down a slight rabbit hole When I spent £5,500 on Hero Escape oh, In like three months wow, It's fine yeah. my, okay. my name is this, Lloyd This is not a therapy so session like in a safe place I've, uh, I've been dry now for about four hours It smells like it <laughs>
0: Adam your background in tabletop gaming
3: similar but less intense so again about 10 years ago I found London on board I kind of got a background in Games Workshop and in Magic the Gathering from when I was a teenager and it's a very glass house it it really is I'm throwing sand I had I had tried role playing games once as a nipper, but was used to like the more structured kind of games workshops. So that was my background before I came to London, and then from there it's been very much Euro games. I love like a kind of Knizia, a sort of middleweight, thinky Euro,
0: or a weird card game,
3: and and a weird card game. <laughs> yeah. Love me some weird card games. And Lloyd over the last few years has kind of dragged me a bit into. Things like X-wing and Armada, and but it's not—it's not quite my wheelhouse. It's not your I, home. I'm mostly—I like pushing some cubes. Not enough cubes, I get it exactly. And Steve.
2: <laughs> Tabletop games, yeah, uh, pretty much zero. Yeah, we've it's tried like a few Monopoly, times. Monopoly, Ludo, a couple of things as a kid. Uh, you and I have played some games, but my competitive streak has come out somewhat. And unless it's co- cooperative, then it usually ends up with the board on the floor, <laughs> one of us stomping off. So, it's uh, so yeah. very much
1: hereditary. Pretty much, much yeah. It, yeah. Yeah. I've,
2: I've taught him
0: well. Leave <laughs> my children alone. <laughs> 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 well, Stephen has got the honour of having come to London once and played maybe the worst Euro game I've ever played in my entire life. We what played
2: Harbour. Met- no god, <laughs> some Russian vampire. It was
0: long and rubbish. Ru- Metro twenty thirty three. Oh my god, it was terrible it was like my last hope of getting Steve into board in. he came all the way to London it was like I'm really really sorry well, that was woeful so I'm definitely partly don't t- call me again for two <laughs> years I think
2: it's just about up so that's why I'm here this yeah evening.
0: mum mum made you talk to me again so you kind of have an idea what my tabletop gaming background is actually quite similar to Lloyd and Adams maybe about 10 years ago I got into them more of a Euro gamer than the others but I, I would like to dabble and moving on then to our background in RPGs you know where where we're coming from as we discuss moving onwards. Uh, for myself, being seven years younger than Steve, and you're going to hear he was into it as a teenager. Wait, thinking. you're younger. Imagine that. I know. <laughs> One of you has had a rough life. <laughs> you said you're going to be nice to him. Okay, that looks pickled. It rhymes with moaning.
3: <laughs> it's it's everybody who knows you who looks (laughs) aged Steve has escaped now so far Dorian
0: Gray over there (laughs) did you say something nice about my brother because that was also against the rules (laughs) so being seven years younger apparently than my brother he had a load of role playing stuff in the house and I used to just look through it and, and check out the rules and create characters to no end and create pages and books and books of dungeons as I became a teenager myself he had moved on from it I think so we never actually got to play role playing games together but then i ran a few games for my friends and nothing very serious never campaigns ever got more than four or five sessions and then it's a i, I started playing rugby about 14 15 and that was all spare time used up until about two weeks ago i wanted one more session for lloyd in order to prepare for this uh, a lloyd rugby. Us. No, <laughs> i told you it was rugby and that's why you had to bring busy. you were very rough <laughs> which game did you play we played Star Wars. Force and Destiny. Force and Destiny. Is that a D6
3: system? Or... No, it's no. the new FFT it's... one. Okay,
0: yeah, yeah. You, you know all the expertise is in this room because I went <laughs> silent. <laughs> yeah, I thought I'd jump in there. See, I've seen <laughs> that blank look, Ronan. This, this finger means you. You you speak. Okay, Steve, I've, I've spoiled a little bit. Your background in RPGs. Absolutely.
2: Yeah, so I got into them, I was in my early teens, so it would have been early, mid-80s. So I guess it was like the the second golden age of RPGs. If like it was the first wave where D and D first came in and, in the seventies and what have you. We had our uh, red box with the dragon. That's the right, the basic that, set. Yeah. yeah, and then there was the. Well, would, the early ones was like the, the wood grain set and the white box. But we, we by the time it came around to us, it was sort of the second wave. I think and we, we Steve red, just geek-credited me. The there, didn't he? Like, uh, oh, you think red set is yeah, it? It was and more, uh, <laughs> more more AD&D we were playing then. But there was an explosion at the time. White Dwarf had just started in the UK. Imagine Magazine was going on. So the sort of games we played started with AD&D with uh, a friend of mine, friends of his, some school friends. I kept it quiet at school because I didn't want to get beaten up. <laughs> <laughs> and I too had got into rugby, so it didn't really mix the two. Also went into Traveller at the time. I remember playing Traveller back in the day. RuneQuest second edition, just before the Avalon Hill one came out. Call of Cthulhu I bought, loved it, but never played it. And Middle Earth. So I collected some of that as well. But a lot like yourself, really, there weren't many role players around, or gamers around uh, our way at the time. So a lot of my time, I spent... Reading the rule books
0: I
1: loved mm, the I think artwork. It's been a moment. really common thing. A lot of yeah. people seem to have bought books or collected series of things. Yeah, and, yeah, spend more time reading it than ever. Exactly. Anything. I yeah.
0: get tempted now to do it uh, when definitely. the law books come out and stuff. You're like, yeah. I remember Deities and Demigods? I must have read yeah. it ten times, cover to cover. And your golden heroes that you had. Oh God, I, yeah. I've I've got the got only person one. ever to use character sheets was me. Because <laughs> 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 I yeah. just made them up and made and wrote the whole stories on the back and everything. So,
2: and of all those games, we actually at the time only ever played D and D. And I refereed some traveler games and that was it. The rest of it didn't play. Okay. But new RuneQuest Rune inside never played it. Ah. it. Inside Out, Upside Down. Played the, the solo games that you get, the adventures. But no, never never played them at the time. And then like yourself, moved more into rugby and and things and my late teens just handed everything on to you and, and moved on. Mm-hmm. Um I guess we'll talk about the latter part of our we came back to role playing later on in, in the episode let's do that let's move
0: on to yeah, uh, I mean, okay. you guys i think are newer to role playing games so they're going to talk about what they're playing basically now right i'm guessing yeah yeah, yeah.
3: so i i kind of had two avenues in i about three years ago some friends from theater um i knew that they we kind of played some board games together but i knew that they also did some role playing and i, I had an idea which has still never come to fruition about writing a play uh, about um, people playing D and D niche. So, <laughs> increasingly not Stranger Things. It's uh, have you know, happened. There's, there's lots of celebs playing Catan now. I think Yeah. So, um, so I kind of said to them, "Look, can I just come and sit in and observe and, and just see how it works?" And they're like, "Yeah, you come along." And then there was a guy missing, and they said, "Do you want to just step in and play his character?" How many times did you go and
1: observe before they let you play? <laughs> no, first time From behind like a one-way man. <laughs> No, that just happened that just there was a guy. A cupboard door just creaks <laughs> like, open. Just not ready. Get back in. <laughs> <laughs> Do I really need the gimp suit? <laughs> <laughs> I'm hard to talk. <laughs>
3: I have no idea what that joke means. Good. Carry on. <laughs> <Adam>. <laughs> so I, I kind of I, I played just in this this one session. I Was like, well, that was brilliant. What I, was I, it? It's so that was um, GURPS which is the general universal role playing system. It's uh, Steve Jackson's system where you essentially make your own setting, and so this. Was a, um, a steampunk setting, okay. a kind of dimension traveling steampunk setting. And immediately I was hooked. I said, that's loads of fun. Can we write me up a character? And, and I kind of... And I started getting low, involved in it. Yeah. <laughs> Back in the cupboard. <laughs> now, I, I played with them for about six months, but it was quite a long way to travel. And then around about that time, a friend of... Well, a friend of... of uh, through L.O.B., Alec, said that he'd just picked up 5th edition D&D mm-hmm. and wanted to have a go at running it and were be interested, so... Which has kind of exploded 5th edition d it seems to
1: be I think it was us <laughs> definitely but carrying a wave of renaissance we of RPGs. are the trendsetters yeah, yeah.
3: so so <laughs> I, I kind of thought was like brilliant yeah I'll, I'll come and play that if you recall this think...
1: podcast two years ago we'd totally been able to claim that <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
3: I think the reason 5th edition really made it explode is that it's so easy to get into mm. and it's just you just pick it up and you're away and, and it was loads and loads of fun so I've been doing that quite a lot and then since then I've also bought the, the GERP source books mm-hmm. and started running a couple of campaigns with GURPS. I might be and- very
1: wrong and feel free to create it for my own, but is D and D fifth edition the first kind of really accessible D and D?
3: I, I certainly think stripped people out. would argue that third or three point five okay. was was pretty I think the point was that, that fourth made it much less accessible. <laughs> keep it in, keep it in. Fourth be wrong. went
0: fourth was one that went to feats and stuff like that. Am I talking rubbish? feats and fifth as well. Oh, there. Okay. But I
3: think it it made things much 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 more specific and and kind of technical. Okay. And numbery.
0: Right. That's a real word. <laughs> <laughs> so currently we've got
3: Gertz. So um, I, I Gertz, play D&D, I play Edge of Empire, which is the um, Star Wars game that we play with Lloyd. Yeah. Um, and I've just bought uh, Fate, and um, think about running some fate sessions as well. So I'm, I'm totally just. You're in. You're fully Ian. plunged. Yeah, absolutely. And like, this is why when I was on the review of 2016 episode, I was <laughs> the worst person to be on the episode. Not I'm the like, worst, really Lloyd. <laughs> <laughs> so
1: it's actually it's really interesting listening to you talk about your history of, of role playing games because all of you are really kind of invested in the worlds and sort of talking about the environment you're in and all the things you can do. And I was the complete other end of the spectrum, being mostly a Euro gamer as you know theme is the least important thing in the world to me (laughs) so I was like oh well I played this game and this game cool done. what's next and to listen to all of you talk about it shows like reminds me I suppose how far away I was when I came to it I was very reluctant to play role playing games because Mm -hmm. for me I've always kind of had this sort of spectrum thinking in my head for for gaming and you have sort of Eurogaming on the left hand side where it's always what you're doing is making interesting decisions and then Ameritrash on the other side where what you're doing is telling an interesting story mm-hmm. and then you'll have things beyond that. So, you know, if you go all the way to the left on Eurogames, past that, you'll end up with something like chess where it's all just pure decision. There's no pretense or theme or anything. If you go all the way past Ameritrash, what you end up is role playing games. And so because the story and the theme was never interesting to me, I was really reluctant to play role playing games. And it so when was Alec- a shock to a, a number of <laughs> us. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. So when Alec first invited me, I was really kind of reticent to get involved in it, and yeah. I sort of, I think I said no the first couple of times, um, and then agreed to sort of play one session, and like, the one session yeah you know, became four or five, and it took me I think probably eight or nine sessions before I re- started to really actually get into it.
0: But something must have kept you going back to <laughs> go to eight or nine. Too polite to drop out. That's, That's not true. Too you want- must have kept you you to, Did you want to talk about C4 <laughs> Actually, it's in here. <laughs> I managed to wangle it in so Adam couldn't have a proper go at it. So currently, what are you playing? Uh,
1: so we are playing the uh, D&D campaign uh, with Adam, uh, where I am consistently useless and just a danger to everybody and around Who me. are
0: you in it? Give us some, a little uh, bit of detail. So I'm
1: playing topic. a Drow Sorcerer. All of his abilities kind of just spring forth and he has no control over them, <laughs> which ties nicely into he has wild magic. So when I cast a spell, yeah. periodically on a, a random chance, something crazy will happen. Yeah. Uh, the first time it happened, it would, like cast lightning out and killed a whole bunch like emptied a room full of things that we were clearly outmatched by. Okay. But then like the second time it happened it made my face blue. Interesting. And it's just this kind of like it's a random dice roll and a random outcome of stuff yeah. that happens, it's but it fits smurf it was very smurf like yeah. <laughs> um there was a scene that Alec had spent a long time crafting. Favorite, by the way. <laughs> she's the evil one um, <laughs> Sometimes. there was a long scene that Alec had spent crafting as a GM where my character was meeting his god for the first time Okay, and it was this elaborate scene and he built this whole kind of underground cavern that was full of gemstones and things and this enormous thing that he developed but my wild magic went off just before yeah, and so I was turned into a sheep and he had no way of undoing it so he just kind of went with it and so I went off to meet my god as a sheep <laughs> and one of our other party was like what's what's going on where is the sheep going this is a critical moment yeah. and so he was a druid so he turned into a sheep as well to come with me to find out what was going on and it's like I'm going to ask you in sheep language what's going on I'm like sheep don't have language I'm just going to walk <laughs> oh and god. it's this enormously just that bizarre thing I mean, you must be a real pleasure yes, absolutely <laughs> what on earth is happening there
3: are two sheep off to meet a god I think that was maybe the point where like with the first few episodes when we played it And I kind of I was watching Lloyd play and and not I could see he wasn't really sure about it Mm. and wasn't engaging with the character very much and there have been a couple of thresholds that Lloyd has crossed but I think that was one point where I could just see it in his eyes that's was definitely like, a threshold I'm just playing sheep I'm just going to absolutely go for it point of and no return <laughs>
1: even and yes that point where obviously deciding there was a language that sheep had would have been so much easier to explain what was going on I was like no sheep don't have a language no context for this yeah, I'll no. just respond in a non-committal bar and carry on we we're going to the biggest
0: field of grass ever this is I don't know how would sheep consider yeah, it was, it was interesting okay. yeah, so that's
1: one so then, sorry, oh, yeah, that, on, you then also ended up GMing one of the Star Wars games Yep. So we're running that now we You're are GMing Edge of Empires It is right? indeed, yeah So yeah. that's Obviously in the Star Wars galaxy It's set just after a New Hope mm-hmm. So the Death Star has been destroyed But all of the characters are Far, far away from the action And are essentially um, Scoundrels of some variety And all kind of People living on both The edge of the Empire As it implies mm-hmm. But also on the edge of the lore So you won't necessarily All be heroes You might be doing things that are Criminal, mm-hmm. actively bad. You might just be murdering people for money, it, but it's that kind of. It's the grey areas in that. Got living style, in London's. pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Right, uh, Steve. What are you currently playing? So we moved out of London now. Live down the
2: south coast, and we have a gaming group there. Bournemouth, old school gamers. We are on Facebook, and there's about four or five of us regulars. We're playing a Traveller campaign. Okay. So just we finished off a Pathfinder campaign. I'm gonna say it's a few months ago, but it was probably this time last year, okay. old age kicking in, where just one year just blends into Finally, the next. It was like so yeah, exactly. Yeah. So it's current enough. So who were you in the Pathfinder campaign? Pathfinder campaign, I was a dwarf fighter, um, and it's interesting listening to you talking about your character because I know the premise of role playing is they say that you should, or you can be anyone you want to be, and you can play something completely removed from it. But I am absolutely convinced that people play the. Characters they want to be in real life, honestly. <laughs> you Comin- want to be a dwarf fighter. <laughs> well, well, it's it's the violence, you know. <laughs> and I, I mean, did you ever turn up in full gi? <laughs> my my, my jujitsu gi, yeah, that's it. Started running around the floors. So I'm absolutely convinced that people live vicariously through their characters, what they actually want to do. So there's lots of large axes chopping people up and what have you, uh, basically clearing it out for the the uh, the thinkers in the group. Are there the you know the druids and, and what? Whatever else, I'm like just head down and steam in there. On that bombshell, who are you in Traveller? Uh, I'm <laughs> I'm ex-army, and uh, mm-hmm. again I have this sort of inverted commas special power that I'm always first on the draw. So sure enough, you know, go in there and clear everything out, and again for the for the other guys to use their psych powers and whatever else to think through the problem. If uh, a scorpion <laughs> or machine guns required, then I'm your man. Awesome. So yeah. Some thought,
1: I'm gonna be over here murdering people.
2: <laughs> it's, uh, well, it's to be done, it has got me done, isn't it? I've been grown know? up with
0: Steve. This is, this is, this is getting flashbacks <laughs> You're on gray dream I wouldn't here. <laughs> <laughs> and no GMing in recent time then?
2: No, 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 not. Uh, but I have just bought the new Cthulhu and pulp Cthulhu as well. Yeah. I haven't bought it actually. I was giving it Presents for Christmas and um, for my birthday, including from yourself. And I am looking to to GM some Cthulhu campaigns. I Probably got given the
0: new Call of Cthulhu one shot quick start thing. Yes, yes, the yes. Yes, that? yeah,
2: I have done. Cool, yeah, I can so give it to you. Anyway,
0: to go, yes. cool. So looking to go back to GM.
2: Yes. Yeah, so carry on, Traveller. We've got a fantastic uh, Rob, not a uh, fantastic GM there, and looking to play Pathfinder again. And I'm definitely looking to to do some Cthulhu next year.
0: Cool. And Adam what are you currently doing you're in the same D&D campaign
3: yes absolutely so uh, along sheep? with um, <laughs> loads of characters Vaha I'm playing uh Dom Hanghammer who is also a dwarf he is a dwarf bard who really yeah in, in a similar kind of vein I was like oh I'd like him to be kind of you know a poet and a musician but just because of the way that the campaigns have gone and it's it's sort of the things we encountered early on I ended up taking him very much down a fighty path so he has just become a bit of a tank with like a few spells taking him down yeah. a fighty
1: path but he still writes a song for every episode <laughs> <laughs>
3: oh, early on <laughs> I did <laughs> <laughs> he's like a bass working. drummer is that where he just <laughs> goes boom, <laughs> boom, boom? <laughs>
0: and are so, you any other campaigns other
3: than that? Uh, Yeah so also in the Edge of Empire campaign that Lloyd's running um and so for that I I wanted to go in a different direction and also I kind of I was quite enjoying Playing difficult characters and, and making things hard for, for myself and for the for the
1: antagonising another one of the players in the group. I mean, just <laughs> later. yeah, yeah. Um, so in that campaign, no,
3: in that campaign, my character is uh, an assassin droid, uh, and he's on the the kind of mercenary track. He's he's all about the fighting. Um, but after years of being forced into killing people by you know by a restraining bolt, he has become a pacifist and refuses to fight anybody. So all of his skills are only useful for killing people, but he won't do it. So, um, <laughs> which was partly a reaction to the thing with Dom, where I was like, I want to take a character where I'm not just hitting things all the but time. You took
0: a, a trained killer <laughs> to make it
3: to then have him just refuse to do it. All You're the, time. the best,
0: and it's, it's a lot of fun. Any gming at the moment.
3: Uh, yes so for um, some some other friends He doesn't uh, have other friends I was there okay. <laughs> <laughs> Oh no no, I, uh, I did run it with the D&D group I'm starting to think no. it might be me that he's engaged to not... <laughs> with, um, with, uh, So is she thinking that? My fiancé <laughs> yes. and another couple Who we're, we're friends with They had kind of expressed an interest Selina's interest uh, faded very very fast um, but the others were. And she, uh, she, she sticks with losing Four, campaigns. Four minutes. <laughs> 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 so that's using GURPS. I have a, like a, a near future sci fi setting, which I tried, and then also a kind of magical Iron Age Britain setting, which we sort of tried a, a starter of both to see which people druidic. liked. and Druidic, absolutely. Oh, which right. which okay. we wanted to roll with.
0: Okay. I'm going to start with Steve again and work around. Especially, I think, Stephen, what do role playing games give you? That the tabletop board and card games didn't give you.
2: I think uh, again, art reflecting life. A bit of a maverick in life, and I don't <laughs> like rules. <laughs> no. Yeah, and 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 it's it's the flexibility, and uh, I think you can come in not knowing any of the rules and play an RPG and enjoy it. Um, although obviously that you need a good GM to enable you to do that mm-hmm. for example I have one of the most enjoyable sessions I've had in recent times yes I rolled the dice once um, but it was all narrative with the with the GM mm-hmm. so we're, we're talking through the story and we're reactive and I think that I, I think you could use any setting and any set of rules to do that I think the the GM needs to be flexible enough to just just run with it and have your your things about your sheep that don't talk and and have it yeah, you kill robots that don't want to kill mm-hmm. and um, it's just the flexibility that gives you you can go anywhere be anything do anything and you don't have to sit with the rule book you know looking at it saying I'm sure you can only do this that and the mm-hmm. other and half the game is there with rules lawyers um, who are my least favourite type of is
0: probably why you're not getting on the tabletop games because I'm the one
2: teaching you the uh, ones yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm with you on that one we can agree we can agree it's really
1: interesting coming at it obviously from having been a Eurogamer forever and you play games with people who are predominantly role players yeah and you get to a point point, i are like I'm not sure what this rule is and as Eurogamer are like cool let me get out this book and I'll find out let me like, google board game decided. gear <laughs> like, no, no that's not how it works <laughs> we must find out the exact rule argue over the phrasing of the rule and then do exactly this as is it says.
4: chaos
1: yeah (laughs) and so it's really interesting in the role playing games I'm reading my first ever role playing rule book where it says if you're not sure of something just decide figure it out later come back just don't delay the story do
3: what's fun yeah
1: and it's so that felt like such an alien concept to me but of course it makes complete sense
0: yes
2: as long as there's consistency throughout it you know then I think the GM should be able to do whatever he wants whenever he wants Mm -hmm. if that is the only rule you have as long as he applies it consistency throughout for me personally that's that's what makes it such fun to play
0: so that that lack off Control and what we're doing and how we're winning and what have you, almost puts me off role playing games because uh, uh, I actually prefer the system and the control and the uh, this is my goal this is what I'm yeah. trying to do, this is how we're trying to get to it. Do you see it oh, as yeah,
2: a competition it's... and a task to
3: achieve? And... Even if it's cooperative,
0: yeah, but there's yeah. there's a defined title It's very it's rarely about
1: to... winning.
3: Yeah, I think if yeah, you yeah. enjoy that, you really need both in your life. I, there's no way that role plays will ever replace tabletop games for me mm-hmm. because. It's something very, very, very different, and it satisfies a different kind of desire, a different form of entertainment. So if I kind of want to sit down and, and play some board games and somebody says, oh, hey, we've got this role-playing game instead, I'll probably say no. Mm-hmm. I'll say no. The, the plan was to sit down and push some cubes around. You're a different mindset. space. It's, yeah, yeah, exactly. And and it's it's kind of left brain and right brain. The The role-playing game is about just creative storytelling. Yeah. Game is almost a misnomer. It's it's just an experience where you sit down and you you create a story together. Yes, it has the the kind of dice rolling, following rules, the attribute stuff, but really in a way that's just it's to make it an improvisational experience because you can't sort of go in saying this is exactly what the story's going to be and this is what's going to happen. Everybody has to respond when those dice fall mm-hmm. and you say, oh, that thing that was going to be really easy and you were definitely going to be through that door. Mm-hmm. Well, you're not. Now, so what happens instead? And it's just it makes you think in such a different way and, okay. and kind of really collaborate. I sometimes
0: get the feeling, though, that Although the GM is allowing to do things and they can interpret what's going on, they have an end goal in sight. They know this this scenario. This is where we have to get to. This is the Denim one, or whatever it might be. So, no matter what I do, the GM is trying to get me to that position. And if they try to enforce the rules too rigorously, a bad dice roll can kill me, and it's kind of ruined everything. Uh, And it's always in their back of their mind. Yeah, but I need to push them towards. This is what we're going to do now. The only recent role-playing done is it was the start of scenario with Lloyd, where very much it is on rails. Yeah, Absolutely, you start somewhere, you're trying to get to a temple at the end, and you're trying to rescue someone. That's I felt like we, <laughs> we could. <laughs> that's literally in the intro. I felt like we could have just sprinted, and said so we start to sprint. And we spread it, to the end, and there been one bit we had to stop where there been a fight, and then we spread it, to the end, and then we're at the end. And it could have been a half an hour session, and I know you do need the buy in from the players, but how much is there the feeling that the GM is always actually pushing you towards a certain I position? Think that's that a bad
1: GM, mm-hmm. I can say a good GM is probably much a- is able to adapt to that. Right, so you might have an overarching idea of this is what this story is going to be, this is where we're going to get to, mm-hmm. but you know, it might never get to that, and you might go off on a complete tangent and do totally different things and I think Steve you might be able to answer this better than I can but I think I doubt it why be- <laughs> <laughs> you have race. listened to you this evening maybe I can <laughs> <laughs> but I think it'll be a combination of either if you have to get to endpoint, you go there in a completely different route and a different yeah. adventure and you end up there, instead of ending up there two hours from now, you end up there six months from now. Yeah. Or you never go there and you do something totally different instead we explore this space over here. Exactly. And I think either of those are, are possible. Is that possible with
2: the campaigns that you get? And well, the th- scenarios that you buy? It's interesting to use the word campaign because I guess, you know what, what you're getting into it, I guess you're almost like forming a relationship with the GM, and it's going to be a wham, bam, thank you, man, one off, whereby it is on rails, to use your uh, analogy. And he, you know, a good GM will get you there, but you don't realise that he's been herding cats and has wanted you to go that way. A poor GM, it'll be completely obvious and it won't be enjoyable for anyone. Or it can be a campaign, and it's literally there's the universe, here are your set of characters, mm-hmm. what do you want to do? Mm-hmm. He may have a number of scenarios in mind and he may make it up as he goes along very much the way we are this evening. never lift the curtain this is all carefully planned I think Uh, think with
1: Ronan it's very obvious
2: (laughs) (laughs) I know GMs that have a set of storylines and they can pick it up and drop it into any of the systems that they're using and they can intend to use it on one system and as we said earlier they go off on a complete tangent and and miss it out so it is very much dependent upon the the gaming group and the maturity of the group as well for very beginners they may want that more restrictive Mm -hmm. scenario just to get used. Used to it, get used to the system. Roll the dice. Get used to their, their characters. Yeah. Build up a bit of XP, and then start ad libbing and freestyling later on. Freestyling, All right? You, you get that in somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> so for
0: me, coming back into role playing, and I, I thank you, Lloyd, before I start ragging on it. But playing that first structured scenario which is very, I kind of was like okay great I've probably done this a few times yeah. before they're they're all very similar and I, what I said when I was talking to someone this week about it was I kind of wish I'd been dumped into a campaign six or seven scenarios along and it was already open mm-hmm. and I could already you know there was stuff going on and there was already a story and I could pick up in the middle of what was going on and I didn't have to go through that whole thing of we don't know each other let's learn who each other are let's do very low level things and kind of because as you say I think feel as campaign goes on I felt like I wanted to run before I could walk <laughs> in terms of structure then is, again, is there a limit to how free form you want a role playing game to be now you, adam you keep saying that you want to GURPS, which is a very freeform mechanical system but in terms of how the players play how hard is it to then have any coherence to what you're doing because there's almost you've got printed out campaign scenarios where this is kind of where you have to go along and you're getting herded down it then i think probably most gms go along to using some elements of that but designing their own and being able to adapt and Buying a campaign book, like you were saying with the Murder on the Orient Express earlier in Call of Cthulhu. I have a campaign and a setting, and I now I've got more confidence to take you around. And then you go to real freeform, which is you know almost all acting and all improv. And, and like you said, you love that session, Steve, mm. whereby it was almost all improv and acting and one dice roll. So I'm going to aim it to Adam, because you've taken on Gertz, which is pretty open. How do you find the balance of between structure and it's too boring and so freeform that it's like, woo,
3: do whatever we want? Um, I think to some extent it's going to depend on your players. So the the first time I ran the GURPS campaign, and this was with the, the sort of near future sci-fi setting, all of them were completely new to it, and so it was kind of a challenge in that I had to to kind of say, okay, well, here's here's a, and you know it's sci-fi, so here's a galaxy, here's anywhere that they could go, and and kind of here's here's a shipyard where it's going to be really difficult for them to to get this ship, except that when they were doing the character creation I'd just sort of given them an outline and said this is from the present day through to that point in history this is the technology that's developed these are the aliens we've encountered this, this is, a is quick the quick
1: introduction so there's 700 years <laughs> of history take a seat there'll be an exam at the end
3: there, there was a certain amount of pre-reading that they had to do <laughs> uh, but then one of them was just like was well okay I'm, and, uh, but the, the main thing I said was why are you Half out on the space Beowulf and, and one the of them was like well <laughs>
2: conversing with old Norse here, aren't we?
3: <laughs> 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 so, uh, so I kind of i said, oh, here's here's how the Brodie char- the, hat the, works. R- write your character, and so one of them kind of didn't really read any of that. and Was like, okay, here's here's lots of stuff. And I said, like, oh, this is already great. This is useful. And then she was like, and, and he can shapeshift into a lion. And I was like, oh. No, no I, don't oh, I, don't know, I don't think he can. So, but then I was like, well, all right, I'll work with this then. So he thinks he can shapeshift into a line and actually it's just a psychosis that he has. <laughs> and then one of the other guys was like, Okay, my, my character is out there on, on the edge of the universe because she won the lottery and she's a millionaire. And so okay. I'd had this whole thing where they had to really difficultly kind of like work <laughs> to acquire a ship and I'll he just it. wondered and was like, Oh buy that one. Lovely, off we go.
2: I, I do think also that the players do bear some responsibility towards the gaming group not to make it all about them and to go off and say right I want to be a, a tree and I'm going to stay here and grow for five hundred years," you know being be, be ridiculous but in terms of that then the GM does need the players to go along and work together as a group because you can get very selfish RPGs which is an
1: absolutely amount of pain yeah and I think uh, the point you're making sorry to cut you off the yeah. point you were saying about trying on the, on to on the point of selfish <laughs> yeah me, 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 me. <laughs> um, the point about trying to win it's you're not trying to beat the GM in a battle. You're trying to work together to tell the most interesting story you can, essentially. Mm -hmm. Um, So, yeah, you have to remember that the GM isn't your nemesis. They Mm -hmm. might be putting characters in front of you you have to defeat, but that's not the overall objective.
0: So how much there is the balance between uh, the players are controlling what's happening in the session and the GM is controlling what's happening in the session?
3: It's very much down to the group dynamics. So you can sit down and, and write for hours and come up with whole worlds and say if they choose to go here i've got something ready for that if, mm-hmm. if they choose to go off in this other direction if they you know turn around and just fly off into the middle of space i've got something for that i've got it covered but if they do that then then equally the, the players kind of have to realize if they sort of say aha well we're going to ignore that and do our own thing that then they're going to get something improvised mm-hmm. and that it might be fun and in that case they kind of have to help you out yeah. And join in with the improvising and, and kind of say, Well, actually we're gonna take this ship and we're gonna fly off in this direction because I you know, I have my own kind of quest to fulfil. And potentially that's kind of selfish, but if it's all of the players together mm. saying, Well that's what we want to do, that's that's the plan, then it's just how do you roll with that? How do you quickly adapt the stuff you had or make up stuff on the fly? And that's why I like GMing, is because it's it's the the challenge of that.
0: And with the improv, are you finding that those are Let's say the highs and the lows of a session, where they're the ones that can be the best sessions or the worst sessions, and the ones that are structured are you kind of know what standard game you're gonna get or. I think with a I really good GM,
1: that? when it is being improv, you don't necessarily know. Okay. I think that's probably fair to say. Yeah. Yeah. Adam look so. me black's never come up. Not me. <laughs> okay. I've never had a good GM. I have no idea. <laughs> now I
3: think that is the case. Um, in the d d campaign with Alec. Um, That's what I was referring to. (laughs) Yeah, I I guessed as much. So I quite often get a lift home with Alec. And so I'll kind of, I'll sort of, and, and, you know, because I was planning to get into some jamming, I've I've kind of talked to him a bit more about how it works. And things that I thought were all completely pre pre planned, he was like, no, no, that I just did that on the fly. And we didn't realise. So I think there is, that is the kind of sign of a. A skilled GM, definitely.
2: The players also have to be fair to the GM as well as each other because it takes effort to set up a, you know a campaign or a session or what have you. And if the guy's gone into it or girl, have gone into it and, you know, made plans and done the bay around, it's a bit disrespectful then to chuck off and do your own thing. We're things. not getting on that train. But it's called murder on the Orient Express, yeah, no. Yeah, you know fired we d- horses. I decided I'd buy a sandwich <laughs> and I missed the train. There's yeah. gotta be, yeah. <laughs> there's got there's gotta be some balance there. And so we do go along to conventions and what have you, you know you've got a two or three hour session, so it is gonna be fairly Yeah, more rigid than a long-term campaign. But yeah, it's all about balance at the end of the day. Okay,
0: so going on from there, when you're choosing a system to play, what are you looking most at? Are you looking at the law? Are you looking at the mechanisms? Are you looking at how freeform it can be, materials available? How do you choose the game you want to play?
2: For me, personally, it's... uh, With a good GM who will not let the rules get in the way of a good game, Mm it would be theme. law, and... The the, yeah, the theme, yeah. you know, the sort of character. want to play, I want to be James Bond today, or I want to be a rampant. A you want to be, be James Bond every day. <laughs> a rampant James Bond. I want to ramp- be a rampaging <laughs> dwarf with a large axe, or you know, a bounty hunter in space, or whatever. Okay. It's you know. So you're not fussed what the
0: system does or how the dice resolve. No, because or... as I
2: said, a good GM won't let that get in, get in the way of it. I don't like games with too many rules and tables and whatever okay. else. Um, so uh, yeah, it, it is theme. Uh, if I'm with a, pe- a bunch of people I like, and you know we've, we've played, before, I really I don't mind really. Okay, don't and mind.
0: Just a quick aside on that. With Pathfinder, because I don't really know the difference between Pathfinder and D&D. Was it was Pathfinder popular because it was not like fewer tables and fewer rules, or is it very similar? It was rules? a Fate
2: accompli I was told we we're playing Pathfinder.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I joined the group,
2: and that's what they were playing.
0: Uh, in my first session, I don't want to play this. <laughs>
2: but, you know, we did. The, the GM was really good at that, and he did like to free flow. Unfortunately, we did have a rules lawyer. Um and it got to a point where I had to send out messages between games saying, "Listen, guys, it's what an enjoyment, <laughs> you know. Let's not be, you know, about a plus two here, there, or everywhere. Uh, yeah, it's just, yeah. just let the game flow." But um. Lloyd asked
0: for uh, feedback after uh, GMing I asked for polite feedback <laughs> Not necessarily <laughs> just fishing got. for compliments really. <laughs> Attention whoring GM over there uh, So Didn't Lloyd has a GM to that <laughs> <laughs> Mechanisms and law I know that you were playing a lot of X-Wing Yeah Some Imperial Assault Some Star Wars International X-Wing Interna- International X-Wing <laughs> Celebrity Well yeah that's pushing In your own mind <laughs> Limerick high, Limerick is not international by the way Limerick is its own little state I went to Scotland that was a proper country (laughs) was was it that when you and this is just in my head so you can tell me I'm completely wrong I felt like if you play games like that you get more into the lore you look at who the characters are look at the backstory and things like that just automatically even though they are more mechanical games is that what brought you into wanting to Star Wars RPG
1: not at all brilliant because um, I <laughs> don't care for Star Wars <laughs> I haven't liked Star Wars in 20 years all you do at is at play the last I know, year and half. only Star Wars FFG games FFG have sent out a lot of Star Wars games that happen to be really good Okay. so it's not even incidental it's, it's opposing forces I play it and I don't care about the lore it's bizarre. I know. I had got into. So I've only ever played three. Does
0: anyone else? Is that impossible? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not
1: going about the If you remember Eurogames, right? Eurogames.
3: <laughs> yeah. If you see, uh, you know, all of this kind of painted Imperial Assault minis that that we use sometimes in the campaigns, and and it's some great cognitive dissonance. <laughs> <but> admittedly, <laughs> I think Shireen's, but like all of the the kind of Lego Millennium Falcon and everything, yeah, that is like, this yeah. is this is not the, the habitation of somebody who doesn't. like When Star you Wars. walk in your house, I'm not they're like a
1: lightsaber noise. Okay, firstly, that's Star Trek.
0: Uh, is it's, it? Oh, it's the door. <laughs> I thought it was lightsabers going. So,
1: Stephen, right, I would like to point out I'm not the biggest nerd in my house. <laughs> it's definitely Shereen. Do you live at Roland? <laughs> <laughs> I'd only have, I've only ever played three role-playing games. So it's uh, GURPS with Adam, yeah. uh, the FFG Star Wars game with Adam and G, yeah. and the D&D game with Adam G-, Adam. G, who's our producer for the day, I well, hey, G. This is why we sound so much clearer and more intelligent. Because we're in a studio. <laughs> I can improve
3: the audio quality. About like the content. <laughs> <laughs> uh, blame the sound
1: engineer. Uh, excuse me. Talent only on the mics, please.
3: <laughs>
1: I'm getting hand gestures. I say, it took me a while to get into it, but I was enjoying the story. I was enjoying spending time with everybody and the kind of the collaborative storytelling element of it. The things I was finding frustrating initially, and I think to an extent still continues, is as somebody who's played so many games, um, the D and D system still feels slightly clunky. Mm-hmm. That, for example, you might have spent all this time increasing a specific attribute, let's say deception, for example, but you're still rolling a d20. Mm-hmm. And great, you can add four or five to it, but on a d20, it's an enormous you know, range of outcomes. Yeah, yeah. And so you go, oh, cool, well, I've rolled a three. So I add my enormous <laughs> skill to it, and I have an eight. Have I, have I succeeded with an 8 out of 20? And so that no, felt you a bit fall clunky. out of bed this morning. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, pretty much. So it, it did feel like an old system. Right. Uh, and obviously, from what I gathered, the system is more refined than it ever has been in, in the past. But still, to me, coming from Eurogames, the D20 system felt really kind of clunky and dated. Uh, okay. So sort of fishing around and trying to find something else to experiment with. The Star Wars game, because it's from FFG, I kind of trusted that it had... That level of development and publishing Polish, behind yeah, it. Yeah. To play it is easy because you just go to everyone, right? We're in Star Wars, you're a scoundrel, <laughs> you're a pirate, you're a Jedi, cool. And everyone's like, all right, fine, I know exactly what I'm doing. Yeah. And it's that easy to just jump in.
3: Yeah. There's,
1: there's not, you know, books of history. Hand <laughs> <laughs> them over to you. <laughs> we're
0: all to sail around the old White in a pinnace. I've remembered why I wasn't allowed on for two years.
3: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Yeah, I, um, to, to answer the, the question that was was back there somewhere. So I love D and D for the lore... because it's something I was vaguely familiar with from things like Waterdeep. I like a, a kind of a standard D&D kind of D and D
0: lore... I know they're well, trying like, hard, but now like a kind of Tolkien-esque
3: fantasy setting. Well, Tolkien is not D and D, Adam. Let's I mean, not have a fight on air. <laughs> Tolkien-esque, <laughs> but that kind of classic dwarves and elves and orcs fantasy setting brilliant but as Lloyd says the d20 system does put these massive swings in it where you, you don't feel rewarded for having learned to do something well so that was why I then having done a bit of GURPS I went back to that and thought if I want something that works What's the dice point of view it's a 3d6 okay, yeah. so you have a similar range you, you can roll from, from 2 to 18 and you're trying to roll under a skill level
0: 3 to 18 by the way Adam
3: 3 to 18, 18. I was counting. doing counting <laughs> <went like> <laughs> But Never obviously, GM me. but there is a very definite peak in there, yeah. and so you can say, okay, if if my skill level is You're over ten, probability then feet. exactly, I need a bell curve. That's on why. This. That's why I was like, oh, I get this because I'm a Eurogamer and I can see the bell curve and I can see that if the skill level is over ten, I'm very significantly increasing my chances of succeeding. None of us should be allowed to breed, should we? <laughs> Six four over here between us. We have done our bit for the human race, <laughs> or, or otherwise. So, so yeah, like the two sort of d and I liked a Lord setting that I knew, and I thought, yeah, this is easy to jump into. Mm-hmm. It's easy to make a character, because you just say, okay, he is a half-orc barbarian to be who used to be a sailor. <laughs> I know what that is, I know how that works, and with those three decisions and a few numbers, that's my character made. Yeah. GURPS works, to my mind, much better mechanically, but it's a lot harder to... Right, and to start and and you kind of have to send people all of your kind of backstory and say this is everything that's possible and then sit down with them and it's a points-based character creation Mm -hmm. so it's quite a complex process but mechanically is more rewarding and does mean that the probabilities kind of make sense that if you're good at something yes it can still go terribly wrong Mm -hmm. if you get really bad luck but the better you are at it it increases the chances of doing well at that thing
2: so that is what frustrates me a lot of the time about board games mm. is that you are completely and utterly at the mercy of dice and you may have the answer I mean let's just take it right back to it's most basic level in Cluedo you may know who did it but be stuck over the other side of the board and trying to race and come across mm-hmm. and then someone else can do you know throw a couple of high dice rolls and they're in and it's like you, you, I feel cheated then we, we try to avoid those games <laughs> <laughs> what Cluedo yes do, yeah, we, yeah. But but you get my points about I, I think RPG gives you so much more leeway and one, one of I p- think if you use because you're not measuring it yeah, well, the GM said, oh, listen, unless you do something really, really stupid, yeah. you're probably not going to die. Yeah, yeah. You know? yeah. And, it, and it, it doesn't have that absolute strict set of rules. It's hard to feel you know, you are, Yeah, you are invested in the character you're going to play the game then, you know, no yeah. pun intended. You're going to go along with it because you know the parameters within which you're operating.
0: Here's something I thought about when we were playing the Star Wars game the other day. So in the Star Wars game, there's no numbers on the dice. You get successes and you get fails. Success,
3: fail, threats advantages uh, advances. Advances.
0: when you roll you can be successful or not to various degree but also you can get an advantage from for other symbols on the dice and it's not just down to numbers and i thought it was quite what i did like about them was those advantages that gave you role playing moments so even as the player i felt like something. Right, you've got two advantages what do you want to do with it and then rather than <laughs> euro gaming it and looking going two advantages exactly i can get it i I was just trying to think of something my character could do, right? It was like, well, I'm a scholar, so I'd know about these runes, and maybe I'd know a back door or whatever like that. And Lloyd was like, yeah, that sounds plausible. Okay, you're okay, he goes to the advantage. I went, that's not divide village. we've got that already. <laughs> 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 How to be mean to your games, rather. So I, I, it, it took away that that swinging in the probability. One thing I wanted to put to Steve was, do you think that... GMs who have grown up with the swingier dice system, because obviously FFG have evolved this for a reason that, that people complain about swing, have learned to GM around it, and it's affected the way that they GM the game. As in, right, well, don't worry about the dice roll. Because when we played, and maybe it's because we're not that into games, it was what the dice roll. There you go. There's your result. What can we do to make out of this?
2: Yeah, I think the GM roll. I mean, I'm not going to cheat okay so they're going to take the result you're not that, uh, uh, I used the term we very loosely yeah. and I said I haven't GM'd yet until next year <laughs> so they're not going to cheat and they're going to take it as it runs. but they use that as part of the narrative mm-hmm. so then they themselves have to th- almost think on their feet as well say right okay well they need to achieve that task in order to get to Temple of whatever or they need to, to get there so then the GM needs to do his own thinking then as well about right I need to give them a way out of this because if they get to a dead end well it's in no one's interest is it
0: in, in our game of the other day we were (laughs) there were some pits that you could fall in and one of us fell in and got out again we looked around the other pits whatever we looked around (laughs) the other pits and there was an injured wolf which apparently we found out afterwards Lloyd there's one sentence of you found an injured wolf (laughs) we spent about half an hour with G coming out with more and more absurd ways to get in tranquilize this wolf and get back out without getting savaged by this injured wolf right (laughs) so (laughs) I feel Lloyd going Please move on. <laughs> Please move on. But eventually it all went wrong and it attacked yeah. G and G killed it and skinned it and wore it. At which point the other player went, We could have used stun on our guns. <laughs> it, kind yeah. of, it must be frustrating GMing something I mean, yeah, like that. Get horse get out the the yeah. Yeah.
1: And he decided rather than holding, I think, whatever it was, rather than holding the medicine, oh, he did hold his medicine and the then dropped it when the wolf attacked him. And the only thing he had on was a lightsaber, so he drew a lightsaber and just murdered the wolf. <laughs> And he spent 20 minutes awesome trying to rescue, him and in the end, he's like, I'll just kill it with a sword, it's
3: fine. Yeah. <laughs> I just kind of. But as long as the process is entertaining, we <laughs> yeah, were sitting idiots. there looking at you going,
1: What? It was, <laughs> what it was hilarious doing? from my side, where I'm, I say, I've got like a one sentence explanation of like there is an injured wolf in a hole and that's everything I had and I was like cool we're going with it let's make this enormously <laughs> elaborate scene let's pick up some stats for a wolf because you've decided to have combat with it
2: <laughs> I mean none, none of us combat. want to be slaves to the dice roll but it is part of the fun isn't it yeah. I mean how uptight and tense do you get when you're rolling the dice and you have to hit this you know or how disappointed
1: do you get think oh for well I know I do anyway in just case how upset do you get when you accidentally murder something you know <laughs> It accidentally happens. with your lightsaber and then skin it. Accidentally.
2: <laughs> okay,
0: so well, at that
1: point the damage was done.
0: <laughs> so as we're talking about GMing, let's just delve deeper into there. When you are GMing, level of preparation you feel that you have to do oh <laughs> very little. Okay, uh, maps and props. Do you consider the group balance that you're playing with? Uh, do you use online programs to keep track of things and characters and and to share information easily even something as easy as Dropbox you can just Dropbox thing and everyone then has access to it
1: Yeah. so we played on Monday and we were setting out on a new adventure so I've been using a lot of the FFG pre-written adventures just because as a new GM it helps a lot it gives you a lot of structure and a lot of the information and I think the parts where I would probably be weakest at is when you walk into a new room or a new area describing the entire scenario it doesn't instinctively come to me so FFG provide an awful lot of that. What I struggle with is finding the time in the weeks leading up to the sessions to actually do any of the reading. Um, I'm h- horrific at it. <laughs> so the idea of using a lot of these pre-written adventures, I say, was to save me a lot of the improv while I get a hang of jamming. Mm-hmm. Um, but what happens instead is I panic read five or ten pages, <laughs> generally <laughs> while everyone's making tea and sitting down, and then we just improv it anyway because wow. I haven't done the reading. So. Yes, there should be a lot of prep, potentially, for GM. That is an area I am very poor at. Very Let's poor. Let's move on to someone possibly more professional in this regard. I don't know. Um so
0: Adam's looking like he's not more professional in this regard no uh,
3: well you, not you more professional busier <laughs> yeah.
0: definitely busier
3: the reason I wanted to GM was because I like writing and I like kind of world creation for like the sci-fi setting I had done an enormous amount of prep uh, literally this huge kind of timeline and all the aliens and their civilization and how they evolved come on tell us like, her name got <laughs> They're the, the quadrabracts. <laughs> I had kind of done a lot of this work and drawn up maps and kind of got of. I don't really have props for, for the, the players. I certainly had a couple of maps so I would sort of initially describe and then like they were on a space station at one point and when they got to a console, I was like, well, here's what you can see on the console and this mm-hmm. shows you like what's in the station and, and where things are. I'd done more preparation for that than the other campaign that I ran, the druidic one, and... I don't know that it ran better as a result. I think if you're if you're creating your own world, you have to do a certain amount of of work in advance because I really really hope so. Yeah, because otherwise (laughs) Adam world, (laughs) (laughs) you all have long hair
1: and a beard. (laughs) But like that sounds like (laughs) the scariest one and the
3: prettiest. (laughs) You, you have to have enough there so that when players say, oh, we want to go and do uh, whatever, then you can improv because you know the setting and you know the kind of things that can happen. I think that if you sit down and you write out very, very, very detailed things and say, "If as you walk down this corridor, precisely this yeah. thing will happen and there's this percentage of, of certain things, there... It's a little frustrating for the players because you spend a lot of time just flicking through your notes and saying, oh, ah, this, okay, I roll this die. But it's frustrating as a GM as well. I found that was slightly less enjoyable if you've done too much prep mm-hmm. because then all you're doing is just... Lloyd's completely puzzled. Sorry, you never need to find out, like <laughs> <laughs> It means that when players do something more interesting and exciting, you can then kind of think, oh, that's brilliant, but I'm disappointed because I spent an hour hmm. like drawing up random event tables and now I don't <laughs> get to use them. So it's This family a tree, wasted. <laughs> yeah, because you just killed the guy as soon as you met him.
0: Doesn't matter. I've never had these children. Did you even so. <laughs> ask his name? <laughs> Steve, for you, coming into Call of Cthulhu, how much prep are you
2: thinking of doing how much do your gyms do okay there's the want to do it and there's (laughs) the uh, there's the real life universe as well that's my excuse yeah yeah, sure uh, and this is a serious point because it is why I haven't done it to date because I don't want to let the team down if you like Mm -hmm. I don't want to come along and just be searching through books people give up their time we come together and we want to enjoy that time you know when it's run well we do enjoy it i would say you need a balance i mean the guy's touching it perfectly you know adam was saying you don't want to go away and spend a whole week doing it and then (laughs) only to find out that they turn left instead of right but i just turn the a4 (laughs) round so i did that physically the people on the podcast can't see what i just did yeah sorry marcel marceau radio
0: (laughs) I'm yep. going to be disappointed if you don't actually speak in some sort of Chthonian tongue well, this time next year <laughs> 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 <Humans>. <laughs> is that right?
1: So aids and programs, tech, anyone? So FFG is really it? good for um, maps for printouts of everything so basically everything is available online that you could okay. ever want to print out and fill out there's encyclopedias of ships and everything available to you. Well, for Star Wars, they're definitely yeah, absolutely. Is. Lots of corrections. Yeah, <laughs> it's kind of the best and the worst thing in the Star Wars world because as I say it's easy to set the world because like, the first place we went to is. Like, I'm just oh. I'm
0: just thinking we need to find a real Star Wars expert and insert them into Lloyd's.
1: Campaigns. Oh no, we have some. <laughs> Nathan is yeah. yeah. Um,
0: <laughs> 17 years before its invention date, I think
1: that! So. This one's a prototype. <laughs> Bonus. You are a good GM! <laughs> are you talking about yourself <laughs> <laughs> But one of the first places we went to was Tatooine, and so you go, right, so you land on Tatooine, and it's a different town, but everyone's like, yeah, cool, Tatooine, got it, done. And so for that side, it's really easy, and then FFG How provides... How many
0: sons? Two. It provides take <laughs> levels?
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh, wait, Six. <laughs> Oh, You're right, Brandon. It does provide genuinely all of this information. Like the core book is basically an encyclopedia for the Star Wars universe. Mm-hmm. Um, to the extent that we've just gone to a new These location. These are things that we buy and read, right? There's yeah, absolutely. So we've just gone to a new location in our game, and, you, and literally, like they're like, what's the population this place? I'm like, it is It's 300,000. <laughs> because I have that and it's the best and the worst thing because all of that information is available but it also for me it feels slightly restrictive in that you can't just go I just made an answer up it's this because someone can not they would I think in our group, but somebody can and go well you know it's not because I looked it up (laughs) Ronan's raising his hand he would you are not invited back (laughs) Uh, so I think FFG is really good for what we've played is the introductory game Mm. so it's very good for going here are some maps to give you an idea of what this looks like Here are lots of descriptions of things like, if you end up taking a ship, this is what your ship looks like. Here are deck plans for it so you can walk around it. So it's really good in that regard. I have had fun kind of throwing props in as well. So in our last one, we had just some little crates and things because we were having a shootout and I had them nearby. So it was easy to just throw them on the table and go, cool, these people are hiding behind these crates. Mm -hmm. G and I have a tendency to get carried away occasionally. So our very first game session, uh, when everyone made tea, we bought out some blue milk (laughs) (laughs) that's <laughs> <laughs> so everyone can have blue milk. That, that was not as popular as we thought it was going to be. Oh, no, I couldn't, I couldn't bring myself to drink it. It looks I, awful. Yeah. So I think there are some. The blue milk maybe is a step far, but adding some props, using figures from Imperial sort things like that are really easy. Again, just to kind of immerse people in in the mm-hmm. in the world. But I think it's very group dependent. There are plenty of games where people might not use figures at all, and it's all theatre of the mind. Mm-hmm. For me, because I'm newer to the systems and I'm newer to to role-playing as a whole, I find it easy to go, cool, this is what your figure looks like, this is what the world looks like, here's a map of where you're walking around. But it's just personal preference. There's not, I don't think, a right or wrong answer.
0: Any online resources or anything like that? No,
3: because I hate the modern world. <laughs> really, okay, that's nothing, your answer. Thanks. Nothing more complicated than pen and paper and dice. Yeah, well, that's, that's like, pencil and paper. That would absolutely and paper be on and Adam's and <laughs> I hated the modern world. I'm glad to be done with all Free, it. Mr. Biro. <laughs> yeah, I'd honestly, books, books, and, and pen and paper and, and dice, and that's that's all I use really. And well, and like Word for drawing out maps so I can print them out go, this is what it looks like. Okay. but I mean certainly Alec has used dungeon creation and online and stuff stuff online. Oh, yeah. so D&D 5th you... edition is
0: it's
1: almost like it's a whole rabbit hole that you can just, <laughs> just disappear
0: down into <laughs> <it>. but D&D 5th <laughs> edition part, and all part of it is of uh, yeah imagine to podcasts like role playing games
2: who listen to that
0: <laughs> at least 7 people including the 4 here and hopefully and G <laughs> <laughs> so, but d and 5th edition are very much pushing it, it seems they've got a little bit smarter with the online part of as, as everything is an online focus. and they're trying to get you to upload your characters and upload your stories and upload campaigns and upload maps so that other people can use them and see them and take an, an sh- a more shared experience so i think people are getting smarter steve for someone considering going back to gming any pitfalls or traps that you remembering or you've discovered or other gms have told you about
2: uh well for me and the, my personal style and the way i like to play gaming is not be a slave to the rules I think they're there to help you, not to hinder you. Mm-hmm. Tell the story and, and help you enjoy yourself. As we were talking about earlier on about the tabletop games, and you like the competitive nature of it, and learning the rules, and almost beating the system if you like. Mm-hmm. And whereas I just don't like that getting in the way of, of RPGs. You got to do your homework. Let the players. Enjoy. It's about enjoyment, isn't it? At the end of the day, we're all there to enjoy ourselves and to have a bit of fun. Don't get the rules book getting in the way of that. Cool, Lloyd.
0: No Any pitfalls or traps you found? Going into uh, it for the first time. his hard work, it turns out. We've discovered that.
1: <laughs> uh, no, as I say, I mean, it's mostly just a case of going along with it. For me, initially, as I say, it was very intentionally kind of hanging back as a character mm-hmm. um, because I didn't feel necessarily comfortable but confident role playing. Mm-hmm. And it took me a while to get to that point. And I think having a group that are happy to kind of almost carry you along for that those first couple of games, having a, a GM that will allow you to find your feet. Help so, so, you, your, is your tip to have better obvious. friends, This <laughs> <laughs> is <to> better podcasts. <laughs> uh, your
0: tip, and it sounds of is play first, play, yeah. learn, have a good GM, try and pick up tips. It's yeah, yeah, definitely. I think that sounds kind of obvious, though. Anything
2: else? We're all cringing that you asked that question. Ryan. <laughs> <laughs> I was hoping for insight
0: from the other side of the table here. <laughs>
3: one, one, one kind of pitfall is. If you have players who are fairly new to it and you're GMing for newer players, which was my first time GMing, was, as I said, with people who were sort of barely gamers and certainly not role players, yeah. they had very different expectations and very different levels of buy-in. Okay. And so there it's quite a challenge to try and kind of keep things moving along and keep the story going so that the people who aren't enjoying it quite so much just sort of don't feel that they're being held back, but that others don't feel that they're being just... <laughs> rushed along and get to kind of think about stuff and make decisions and I think it's one of the things that can be the most fraught with any role playing game, one of the things that can cause difficulty is... If there are some people who are very analytical mm-hmm. and want to sort of say okay what's every single possible way that this scenario could play out and what should we think about and how do we approach this and somebody else who's just like i, I only care about the story mm-hmm. let's just keep moving let's just yeah. go 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 and see what happens and so i think as a gm you do have a role in in managing that and managing the the pacing and everybody's expectations
0: is a balance of the personalities more important then than it would be like in a tabletop game whereby you're all down. There's rules. You're following instructions. So you have to find that balance. Yeah. And yeah. So maybe GM also, for a, an established art role-playing group, maybe like that know each other and know each other's style. Or
3: yeah, I think that certainly the the other experience I have of GMing aside from doing it with um sort of non-gaming friends was was doing a session with the group who played D and D, and it was the same world that I tried, and. I did find there that I was having to do a lot less because they were experienced players and two GMs as well. So there it becomes much easier and more collaborative. They know what they're, they're doing. they well. Some very yeah. critical notes. <laughs> but it's afterwards. fine because I wasn't fishing for compliments, so I did that But I think,
1: and when we said each individual game is a collaborative effort between the GM and the players, I think playing the game as a whole is as well. So if there is, at the end of a session, you might say, you know, how was it? Is there things you'd rather be doing? Are we, you know, if your characters just want to be charging into combat and murdering things, are we spending way too long on politics, things like that? Mm-hmm you shape the game to what your group wants. So if your group wants to be running around and exploring, then there's no point having them spend three months doing something
0: else. I'm still laughing a little bit that Steve said that both his characters are all about combat, and yet his favourite game was... We just sat around chatting. There was the one with the ice rollers. Was- also, yeah, I mean, you yeah, know, I mean,
1: players don't know what they want. <laughs> <laughs> it
2: is that mix of the group. It'd have to be heavily qualified. I like going around killing people because <laughs> uh, you <laughs> want to know, they know that they're appro- the right people. It <laughs> has to be an appropriate time, and it's that choice of who to kill and when that's the important I, I thing. Think what you're doing is the killing people the murder- is having the
0: power to kill the people. Exactly, you got it. You nailed me. You absolutely nailed me. <laughs> All right, so in, in terms of finding a group, and both from both sides, gym and playing length of campaign because in my head back a long time ago i always thought a campaign was five years you you go from the tavern meeting to challenging the gods uh i talked in that episode recently about buying faith where it's a self-contained campaign eight to twelve scenarios and that was almost i hadn't really thought of it cause i hadn't thought of it as well i was like oh yeah that's that sounds a lot more doable right we can meet up 10 times and be done rather than let's commit to this for the next 17 years it would be amazing i'm sure there will be incredible stories but quite tough to do so length of campaigns, when you're considering it, the idea of one-shots, the idea of short campaigns, the idea of actually getting your real teeth into a long one with the same group, any
3: thoughts about it, any preferences? I think the most important thing is just having very clear expectations going in. So, when we started the D&D, Alex said, look, I've got this starter pack mm-hmm. which does levels 1 to 3, pretty much. It's, it's going to be maybe 9 or 10 Sessions. Nine
0: of the sessions to get to level three. Yeah, We're, wow. we're Quite rubbish. I mean, we, yeah, we do. We, we go I mean, just from my expectation from before, like we played, you'd be level three by the end of first or second scenario easily.
3: So, so there he said, "Look, this is what I've got already. Mm-hmm. I would love to then keep it going and play more sessions and write more stuff, but that's up to you guys." Yeah. And within like maybe three sessions, we knew kept saying no, <laughs> <laughs> but with that look in time. your eyes, <laughs> no. <laughs> Within like three sessions, we were kind of like, yeah, this is—it's a good group. We we kind of meshed. Well, maybe not three, maybe like five sessions. Lloyd was very reticent, <laughs> but but like we we kind of meshed fairly quickly. And now Alex moving to Lincoln, and so we're like, okay, well, how it do we moved, yeah. keep this going then via right. Skype? And because we—how long has it been running? It's we've done about twenty-five sessions, and and what level still are you still hugely enjoying it? Five. Yeah, we're we're level five. You know, standard for D&D, rubbish? is it? <laughs> if you have a campaign where all you want to do is fight, yeah. then a gym can just be like, all right, great, we'll just grind monsters over and over and over again, and that builds up XP. Are you getting XP for non-combat things?
1: Specific character moments. Um, right. I don't recall too many times where there's been just story-based XP.
3: No, he'll do kind of character-based stuff and kind of good role-playing, he'll give us a I little got bump. i XP for but... some onion soup once.
1: Yes. Oh, God let's not go there
3: that was when I knew that Lloyd was 100% hooked <laughs> that that we had like gone off thinking that it was fairly safe and we were stealthing we were around this village cultists I seem to we like were, um, yeah we, we were kind of like skulking around this village and we didn't want the, the noisy knight with us so we left him and, and Lloyd's character behind in the hut with this one cultist who we captured and it turned out that, and they were like, oh, we get him to make soup. So we were kind of having this, this adventure, and of course it wasn't safe, and we ran into all sorts of monsters and stuff. Um, I just can't leave him alone for five minutes. <laughs> Meanwhile, entirely unnecessarily, and not in any way part of the story, back in the hut, this guy was making kind of amazing soup. And Lloyd and Chris, <laughs> who's the other character behind, were like discussing what was in the soup. In in the head, yeah, a ten
1: minute <laughs> sidebar. Just about how, how amazing this super was and how it changed their lives. I'd have seen relax.
0: <laughs> <laughs> There's definitely a 50 50 split here of people listening going, oh yeah. my god, that's
3: so good. I'm on the awful very, side, by the way. It, it, it became very filmic. Because it meant that we weren't just playing a game. We weren't just like rolling the dice and encountering the thing. We were in Is a scene. We were having an action suit. scene, yeah. and it kept being cross-cut with like this little comedy it was scene. A sh- back in the <laughs> hut. <laughs> yeah, it was great. and now we wipe
0: back to the idiots in the hut. Okay, the soup has thrown me completely. So, twenty-five sessions to get to level five. Back when I did do that little bit of designing, I deliberately designed in things where you got XP just for being clever, but for role-playing well. Yeah, if someone did followed their character your character might not be combat based but you role played and did well and, and solved mystery stuff here you go some we have
3: uh, we certainly have there was one where there was an entire castle full of orcs mm-hmm. that it was all set up that we fought our way in and did the business and and instead Lloyd disguised himself as... Well, we, we basically disguised ourselves and just a walked soup. in. And we're like, hey, it's fine, we're meant to be here. Strolled through, very quickly killed the main guy, and then Lloyd disguised himself as the main guy, and we strolled back out again. <laughs> did
0: you skin him and wear him in a G-styling?
3: <laughs> so there we did get some XP, but he was like, but of course you actually didn't see half the castle. I can't yeah. reward you for everything. Because there he is sticking a little bit more yeah, things to the rules. And I think that was and a classic
1: thing of somebody... You know, he's got this enormous castle full of all these things, and all these rooms are going into and exploring, and we were like, we're going... And there, and we're going to have a chat, and then we're leaving. I hate you yeah, on his behalf. <laughs> Four hours of my life. Guai here comes along and flies <laughs> us to the
0: end, and then flies <laughs> us back again.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Still level one. Ding. One of our um gets a traveller. Uh, that yeah. we play, Then, if we have a moment of inspiration, whatever, then we get rewarded hero points, oh. and basically we can use those. If we fail a die roll, we can use it to roll again and things like that. So that's how it's rewarded. Because Traveller is a lot less XP centric. Well, there's right, still in levels the... involved in it as well. Is it? Do you know what? I'm embarrassed to admit. I don't even know because what you do uh, when you when you roll the character. But well, that's a, that's a good thing,
1: isn't it? Because that's yeah. taking the rules out of it, and you are just experiencing. You can
2: you can do progression of the skills when you roll the characters. You go through. You gain your skills in the creation of. The Character, and you go through terms, and you choose career paths, and what have you. But yeah, I'm really embarrassed. <laughs> I don't. call There's
0: not levels in that, is it? Is it still the percentage system? Uh, is it investigator
2: old? points? Okay. Yeah. So it's not um, actually levels. I think that yeah, call of Cthulhu is uh, one of those systems where you know you're gonna die because the more <laughs> successful you are, you lose sanity points. Yeah. And so. you're gonna you're gonna end up in a gibbering wreck in the corner somewhere. Star Wars does the same level. thing, if
1: there's not specific levels in there, you'll you'll yeah. gain XP and it'll allow you to acquire different points, and systems, skills and things. Yes. But it's not hitting levels. And yeah. I yes. think that's probably personally I feel like it's a good thing because you're not just constantly going, go, oh, I'm miles away from the next level, I'm never
0: If then you're creating your own scenario, how do you pitch it? In terms of XP, difficulty. No, in terms of difficulty, in life if is oh, so for Or Star- do they just go? Oh, he's got twenty hero points. You won't tw- ever become
1: hugely powerful. Like you're yeah. not going to be running around being, you know, a Darth Vader level character. So I'm you out. Might have- <laughs> <laughs> you might have somebody that could potentially play for years. As far as I've read, as I say we're not we're not anything close to that yet. But you could have a character who plays for years and levels up and levels up our way through and gains all this XP, mm-hmm. but still might get killed by a group of stormtroopers if. There Seems are to deal with. They're standing very close to them. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe if they're shooting at something else. <laughs> but it's possible. It's, <laughs> you might have all these abilities that help you in, I don't know, like bounty hunting, all these kinds of things. But if you get into a combat that is outside of, you know, they don't, the scale for getting better at combat isn't enormously still steep Still don't yeah. annoy a Wookiee, is what you're saying.
0: Okay, <laughs> okay so going, going back then to length of the campaign, you've you done 25 sessions. You're keen to carry on
3: going? Absolutely. Yeah. And
0: Do you feel you get as much or as a rewarding experience from shorter campaign if you did a ten session very focused campaign?
3: This is the story we're trying to tell. If it were ten sessions, I think so. Hmm. If you if you knew that was the case and if there was a very clear and specific story arc, then it's. I suppose it would be like watching a film rather than watching a TV series. Mm -hmm. So like, well, specifically these things will happen within it. We have done one one shot. Where uh, another friend wanted to just have a go at DMing for the group, yeah. and so said, "Well, I've got this pre-written, and it's just a single episode story." Yeah. But and that he was- felt like he was herding cats. Obviously. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but okay. So was the story he was, he was quite trying to just cliched? It, well it didn't resolve really I mean I think honestly that, that wasn't <laughs> That was a much less satisfying experience Because what we did Over the course of that Was build our characters And have lots of conversations yeah. Between ourselves While he was just out there going But there's a boat You need to be on the boat So So Make we a soup Exactly <laughs> <laughs> We have soup to make yeah, I
1: think actually, that, we, That's exactly the point I was going to get to Is that The part for me what, what Almost the most fun Has been The kind of classic stereotype of what you're doing is you're creating in jokes between your group
4: yeah
1: so the soup is now a running joke for us um braziers are a running joke for us because (laughs) our main kind of fighting character the first thing he did when he walked into a room was try to pick up an enormously heavy brazier and throw it at somebody yeah and dm's like sure try it go for it you burn yourself and of course he rolls a natural 20 picks the thing up he's like all right fine that was unexpected now roll to throw it until he fails obviously that as well but now it kind of becomes this running thing where Braziers are now his mortal enemy, and so every time we walk into a room and there's a Brazier, we'll just take it out. <laughs> and when I was saying earlier, and I had my wild magic and my character start casting lightning everywhere, yeah. he was like, "Who like?" pick five things in the room and I was like uh, that minion, that minion not the big guy the brazier <laughs> <laughs> and I cast lightning at the brazier oh, but on. it's that kind of thing it's, it's just it's <laughs> <laughs> I know everyone does i the big guy
3: with <laughs> the feet this is the
1: purpose of I, what we're in doing in my defence I didn't know what I was going to do before I did it <laughs> okay fair
3: enough
1: <laughs> so it's those kind of things it's yeah. building those kind of running jokes and as a group then You'll have recurring experiences. You're essentially building your own tropes, right? And it's,
3: So in a single session game, we spent five hours doing that. And then at the end of it, it was just, oh, that's that's it now. I
0: think in, in my head, a single session game that I play anytime now, would have to be very innovative. Yeah, so it has to be something you're doing very different that's taken me out of my usual I'm um, exploring I'm going through I find the jewel just to go in the place to, to finish it off yeah
2: it's going to be very prescriptive I think in reality as well when you do a single game session it's almost going to be an event that's secondary to another event so you're going to a convention yeah. or you're getting together with a group of friends you haven't seen for a while and it's just there and we take it it's like, it's like a snack and, you and take, do you do them? do you do single sessions? yeah yeah been to conventions gone along to uh, Gone along and, and remember, we covered that in the intro <laughs> and it's <laughs> yeah I say that it, there it is almost secondary to whatever else is going on you know Just at the time it's it, meeting yeah. up with people you haven't seen for a while or meeting yeah. new people and it's almost like a, a conduit for doing other things
0: how long was your path when the campaign for
2: Oh, good question. I think we probably ran... or well, when say campaign, the, the adventure we did is obviously part of... The... If we would say campaign, then that's when we're taking the character from level zero all the way through to their, their, their end. So the campaign isn't over. Okay. So we still have the characters now to go on other adventures. Okay. But the adventure in and of itself, it was probably about... I'm, I'm getting my memory is awful. Uh, <laughs> real life gets in the way of having fun, doesn't it? I would guess about a dozen sessions. Okay. Yeah, a dozen sessions. And did
0: it feel complete over a dozen sessions, or do you uh,
2: now you've got that character? No, do you want to? No, it I, I, I it was the start of something. Okay. So you just you're just getting comfortable with the characters, getting to know them, getting to know the game system itself, mm-hmm. getting to know the, the other players as well, because there were some new players in there. Yeah, we just just do it for as long as as long as it's fun, really.
1: Okay. Yeah. I think if you, I'm, I'm assuming you're watching The Walking Dead or at least read the comic books. Mm. I'm aware of its existence. <laughs> yes, I'm aware <laughs> premise, of it. <laughs> the premise of it was uh, Robert Kirkman, the writer, saying. Every time you watch a horror film, it will you know, end and there's you know, three or four survivors and they've made it through and cool. And it's yeah. like, but what happens, what happens next? Yeah. And so The Walking Dead was built off of that premise. It's the, it's the forever what happens next. Yeah. And I think there's an element with an RPG like you can go through it and you might have a conclusion, but then there's always the, well, what happens next? Mm-hmm. And that can always potentially bring you back if you want to.
0: And when you're in a campaign of that length, some way fall in love with your with character, love or hate, I guess, when we're talking about other games... Whenever they mention RPG elements, all they mean is your character can improve, right? It can go from level one to level two or get slightly better. And character progression. And for tabletop gamers, for board gamers, and stuff like that, when you have that very small amount of progression, people feel like they have ownership of that character and it's getting better and I'm guiding it, especially if there's a branching path, right? And you can become good with swords or good with axes, whatever it won't be. And obviously within the board game realm, that's very, very limited. Okay, it's expanding more stuff like Gloomhaven, which is. And campaign and legacy games, where it's becoming more that you can develop over multiple sessions to get more ownership. But how important is that sense of ownership and progression in a character for you when you're in the role-playing game? Do you inhabit the space of the character, or is it really it's a cipher that things are happening, and really it's me interacting with the people?
2: Well, I think the character is is, is central, and it's not just the character itself, but how it's the group, isn't it? So it, it's the progression of the group and how you are you role-playing with, each, with each, other
0: each other in character. Though are you making decisions in-game that your character would, or are you... Yes, you should Absolutely be certainly. Definitely. Definitely. Yeah,
2: Definitely. Yeah. Yeah, but as I said earlier, the character is you. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, <I> think, yeah, <laughs> it's... It, the got, uh, again, anyway. we touched on consistency earlier on as well. So I think, again, a good games master would pull a character up. you are saying, well, hang on a second, if you ever think about it... With a decent group, you won't have to do that reminder. But I think on a new group, you have to remind them about, you know, the... This is almost like a real-life person and people do tend to have a level of consistency in their behavior and you have yeah. to bring that through into the game as well but to go back to your question about how important is it very much so I think the character you, you, you become invested in the character mm-hmm. and in the group as well and it's about growing the group dynamic problem solving with the group mm-hmm. I think there is a definitely a level of ownership there and uh, it's like it's like um, an old pair of shoes that you know slipping back on again and they're just comfy and you know what you're doing with them and then we try new games and a new pair of shoes if, and try this out if mechanically the character was
0: static would it make a difference
3: no. No, and right, I think this that's the is why... part, isn't it? Where, where you were so surprised earlier that it took so many sessions to get to level 5 in yeah. D&D, yeah. it's because those changes are kind of nice, and it's cool when you get there, and, and I'm excited to get to level 6 because I get double attack. and You know, you, you're kind of like, okay, I get some more rules stuff. Yeah. But that's not the character progression. Okay. The character progression is... These things happened to him last time. The character progression is Lloyd's character, Vaha, learning more about his past and about okay. kind of where his adversaries are in the world. And, and it's, it's about making decisions and seeing their outcome. And, and my character, Dom, kind of setting out for, for great adventures and, and to do wonderful things. And quite early on, it was Stealing going really cups. terribly. <laughs> and, and, you know, kind of everybody around him dying and just seeing lots of murder and mayhem and, and him kind of going, oh. Maybe well, maybe this isn't for me then. How do we make this right? And and so it's the character progression is in the fact that you have a history for that character. At all? It's not Most a mechanical thing, thing at 80%. all. Eighty <laughs> percent is not a character thing. Mostly. Eighty percent. Eighty percent it's not a character thing.
0: There's a Euro percentage there.
3: <laughs> learning learning some new spells and, and kinda of getting extra abilities it's nice. And it does mean that you're then not as easy victim to dust. Is
0: there role-playing opportunities presented by your progression as a character? For example, let's say a level 7 warrior walking into town is different to a level 1 warrior walking into town. So you're probably have a slightly nicer sword and armour and people would treat you differently. Do people GM that and play it very well that Actually, now you've got some standing, you've actually done In something. Elements,
1: although I think the level or at was still fairly lowly, okay. considered. I, personally, because the way that my character is built and the kind of back backstory of him is that, I think I might have mentioned earlier, is that his magic is a sort of an unknown thing. Like, he doesn't yeah. know how it came about. He doesn't know the origins of it. Yeah. And so I always roleplay it. That when I learn a new spell, as a player... I'll research the spells, decide which one I'm going to go ahead with, let the GM know, let the team know. The first time my character does it, he has no idea what it does. <laughs> and so we're just walking in <laughs> like, Pff, a thing happened, ooh, ooh, I murdered some people. <laughs> I can't remember the name of the spell. What's the thunder one? Shatter. Shatter, yes. So, As its name implies, yeah. Um, so it basically creates a, a wall of noise in a, a sort of spherical area. Yeah. And the first time we did it, we were in a cave, and <laughs> we walked into a room. And there are a whole bunch of people attacked one of our characters and was like, cool, car shatter on them.
3: (laughs) That's loud enough. At which point every
1: single thing around us. Everything in the area up.
3: (laughs) And they were like, What did you
1: do? It was like, he didn't know what he was gonna do. (laughs) It's like he woke up this morning and was like, I feel like if I do this, this will happen. I think And that's yeah, so it's kind of building of mechanical where the game works into a character.
2: Element. You can also build in backstories to your campaigns and know there is a theme there, an underlying theme in the background and then you're aware as a character that you will need to Progress and grow your skills, and your, in order to address that theme, and it can keep coming dipping, dipping in and out of the story, mm-hmm. um, and it could be sort of like parallel stories running around ones that the event that you have the, here and now, and it's also about the you know looking forward, and you know I want to progress, and progress just say change. It's not necessarily moving up the league tables, uh, but it's just change and. Uh, Get new skills in order to this underlying theme that is dominated through all the, the stories as you go part through. Good GMing is taking the feedback from the character changes, yeah, and absolutely, weaving yeah. that
0: back into the story and and giving it. And this is what the that's part of the natural growth of a good role playing group. And a lot of the satisfaction seems to me be, because when you guys are talking, it's character moments that are fed back, and and maybe times when you feel like you've role played your character well.
3: Yeah, absolutely. As opposed
0: to, I rolled a 20 and therefore the spear hit the dragon in the eye. It's actually, I did what I thought my character should do. Yeah. So I tried to do it a little bit when uh, I had a character that was very physically
1: weak but you but role played like as them. an alpha character which was shocking
0: <laughs> <laughs> i tried not to but they were dithering a bit <laughs> That's
1: who you want to be? who's like guys come on we've got stuff to do let's, let's pack it up move
0: up <laughs> i don't want to be but I am um when we and then we got to stem because i was trying to hang back because i was physically weak but i'd like to i was trying to hang back to the of combat and then when we got to the place where this person who's important to me was in danger i fired straight in and I went, oh, I'm just trying to straight in. This person's in danger. I want to do it. And I ended up dying. But actually, I was quite satisfied. Like, I
1: think that's what my character would have done. <laughs> Even though it was clearly a stupid thing to do. But yeah, absolutely. Those are the moments to add to it. And I think um, the first time we ran the Star Wars game, playing the other introductory game, yeah. the Edge of the Empire one, Adam was in that situation where he was given a pre-created character, Yeah. but played entirely in the spirit of it. And so he was doing things that weren't, By a long shot, the best thing to do, but it was fitting for the character, and that really added to the kind of feel of it and it made it feel much more natural.
0: Right, yeah. There's the, um, (laughs) I believe, and this is a bit of a spoiler for C4, so I skip forward a minute or two. Or or just don't play C4. C4, 10 seconds for Steve is a. Gee, did you want to jump in for a second? A legacy role playing, (laughs) a legacy tabletop game whereby. It's a tabletop game. I won't be playing it, you can carry on. (laughs) I'm telling you uh, quick. Things you do in game. Permanently change the game. Okay. So there's new areas and there's new stickers, you rip up cards and stuff. So, my understanding is you play the intro game and everyone chooses the character they're going to be for this whole campaign. Like, so I want to be this person, I want to be that person. Be that bit. And, and it's then, no more well, end... than
1: you're just choosing a picture, but you kind of go through a the pictures like this one. This is the one I like most. Because yeah, yeah. you, you know, know it's you're setting off for like a 20 game
0: campaign. This is yeah. 40, 50 hours of gameplay. And at the very end of the intro game, you tear up that character and you become their child or something yeah. like that, right?
1: What's the sixth best choice
0: available to you? Top five of gold <laughs> one of many things wrong
1: I with Absolutely. at this point Steve left <laughs> <laughs> exit right so there are three of us here that have started T4 campaigns this is off topic, bear with me none of us have finished T4 <laughs> it was,
0: yeah, it's a famous flop of a game in the last couple of years and, I, and I'm sorry Steve but well, I was talking to uh, Simon about it last night and he was saying it's quite interesting it's something quite strange with regards to structured and free flow campaigns in, in role-playing it actually triggered my thoughts was he said in pandemic legacy which is a similar game it's much more structured the scenario is set for you so you know in june this is going to happen august this is going to happen september this is going to happen in season is uh, a mystery <laughs> nothing, nothing happens in the beach
1: watch the bodies wash up
0: I can't spoil that for you. <laughs> <laughs> but in C4, it's more freeform what comes out, and therefore it's more of a jumbled narrative. So it doesn't work as well. Yeah. Is there a risk of that in when, you're, when you're role playing? Is that if, you, if the GM lets it go too loose, you can lose the narrative structure of a campaign?
3: No, because again, it could be anything. <laughs> the, the narrative is about the characters, and okay. so the characters are still developing. And if there's if there's a big story and there's something that the GM needs to get you to, then if you go to the wrong place, yeah. then they, they'll just sort of drop you. Change and the map of, and make it the right place exactly. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You know, a yeah. Of things.
1: Either this big event can happen, and do you know, what? maybe you miss it. Maybe yeah. this is cataclysmic war that's and happening it out elsewhere. You were off collecting wheat or something, yeah. and that's fine. That's down to you. I would love
0: that for role playing game with me is that actually what i'm doing there are other stories going on. yeah exactly there are yeah, all these things occurring in the background yeah. and
1: yeah. if you go and get involved in it that's fine that's down to you if you don't get involved in it something worse may happen yeah and that's again the choice who, you make who knows it's yeah, not the way we yeah, are,
2: yeah, so. i think if the players do become too self-indulgent then it does all grind to a halt and you're not actually it's there to play the game and it's sorry it's maybe why i can't get on with them
0: <laughs> 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 i can't i can't say i can't get on with them i want to if I was going to do it, I want to commit to it and actually go into campaign and really, yeah, yeah really go. So, we're kind of getting to, to winding up a little bit. I wanted to ask you about your favourite role playing game moments, whether they be sessions or something you've done with a character, whatever it might be. This it's room. really easy for me to answer this that. This is ding. So, this is. So, and I think, no, it's it actually better not, not be I soup or blue <laughs> milk. Soup's pretty close.
1: <laughs> Adam, I think, will know exactly what it is. So, in. Uh, it's a very, very minor spoiler for the D&D intro game. Okay. But there is a goblin in there who you kind of come across. You know, some parties will just murder him on their way through, and some parties will stop and talk to him. Mm-hmm. And his name is Droop. His tiny for a goblin. is completely useless in every regard. But quite a lot of parties do tend to just adopt him, yeah. right? And he becomes a team pet of some variety. For us, we gave him every magical item we could find. We taught him everything we could get him to do, yeah. he ended up saving our lives on four or five Seven occasions. occasions. <laughs> yeah. yeah, just He would wonder and be like, I do a thing! And it would just save, save us entirely. And as we were progressing, and I think um, Alec had dropped a couple of hints to it, that he was progressing as well, but from such a low level. Yeah. As we were progressing up and encountering more and more things, he was going to die, right? Oh. Because it was out of his weight category. Right? So we kind of decided to retire him and we got him a job and he works as a cook in a, in a uh, local in the inn in the, inn, in the, the Heroes Inn us, in fact yeah the Heroes Arms I hope it's not called the
0: Heroes Arms it is it's called, the called the Heroes Arms in our Um you have yeah. names
1: <laughs> we, we saved Fandlin <laughs> 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 and so this minor character who is you know a throwaway item but it's an opportunity for a learner group to you know pick him up as a team pet or whatever it is and interact with him yeah. and have him do anything um, so we kind of decided that he was going to go and do this job instead and he would stop adventuring with us but we would have him there and we would go and visit every time we passed through and those kinds of things and we had this kind of emotional goodbye and so it was this probably like 10 or 15 minute scene where I was all just kind of chatting with Droop, which is our GM doing a very silly voice because he decided at that moment that was going to be the voice for it and then obviously it's canon And so it's this kind of long, yeah, long emotional oh, goodbye. You yeah. Heroes, <laughs> exactly. You know, <laughs> provided with all the things he needed, and gave him a whole like I gave him like 95% of the money I had oh, to, to set him up. Oh and left him with the one that we'd found somewhere so was like if anything ever comes to you if anything scary's happened you've got the one nearby and you've got your boots so you oh, can Lord. run away you're talking about looking me in the eye I'm starting to tear up yeah. <laughs> but it was this enormous like 15 minute thing <laughs> was, yeah for this thing, bro. <laughs> for this completely disposable NPC that just kind of followed us around for all this time that was really touching, And that was the point where all of us at group were a little bit like, do we need a couple of minutes?
0: <laughs> <laughs> so follow that, lads. And Adam, you can't use Droop. Steve. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
2: mine... Adam never liked Droop. <laughs> mine wouldn't be sort of game time, but it would be after getting back into RPGs last year, after 30 years away. So after the first Pathfinder session, after the first Traveller session, just sat back and, think, and I thought, do you know what? I really enjoyed that. <laughs> and I'm so glad I'm back into it. Because I've been collecting in the teens. Once I found eBay 15, 20 years ago or whatever, I've been collecting RPGs for years and years and years (laughs) extensively. So I have a huge collection. Almost a room. Yeah, my man cave is full up of RPG stuff. So I've been reading it. And then to actually get back into playing, I was just so delighted that my, my collection wasn't going to go to waste. <laughs> <laughs> it was a relief, I think. At least 1% yeah. of it was going to get yeah. something. So, so really getting back into it, I think, the bit I've enjoyed the most. I, would, I want one cool traveller moment, because we talked a lot about fantasy oh.
0: games. I want a cool sci-fi. Oh. We're going to let Adam talk, and you go on, think of something. Oh. Okay, awesome. okay, come on, I'm
3: going to have to make something up now. Okay. <laughs> so um, I'd say my favourite moment was, it was kind of a, a tipping point when, it was kind of that sort of realisation of, of having to play the character and thinking, oh, okay, this is how it works, and also of just a moment of random chance that made everything come together, mm-hmm. which was when um, one of our party had a an encounter... Which was um, had been kind of semi-scripted. He ran into somebody who said, "Oh, can you go and do this little side quest?" Oh, tell us what it and, was, Go on. Well, all right, but it, it's a spoiler Sexy. if anybody's playing the fifth edition box. But it's a very tiny one. So he'd been sent to go and um, exchange something with a banshee. He had to take an item to this banshee in order to get some information. Oh, so his character is very kind of respectful, and he'd gone in, and it all gone very well. He he kind of went in and had this conversation and and everything worked out exactly as it was supposed to however then kind of we'd seen all of this happen and we'd seen jason and alec have this conversation and see it all work and then at the end of it alec said okay so what do the rest of you do We're like, oh okay so what did we see and he said well he just went into the hut and the door slammed behind him i was like oh well he's our friend yeah um, I guess we'd help him
4: <laughs> I'll try
3: and force the door and it was a magically closed door right. so he was like well I guess you can try it so of course I rolled a natural 20 at <sighs> uh, which when the door bursts open the banshee goes into a flying rage and we then spent about an hour and a half fighting off this <laughs> horde of undead that she raised to punish us Lots of bloody idiot so if it had been a board game it would have been the worst possible thing to do it was such a stupid thing to do Yeah, but in a role playing game it was absolutely the right thing yeah, to do completely. because it was how the character would react right, to his friend yeah, being yeah, in danger. Yeah. And I think that was just that moment where you realise that duality of this is what I know as a gamer, this is I've just seen this whole conversation with Jason, I've seen it. it's gone brilliantly. Yeah. And he's about to turn around and leave. But as a character, I'm having to take the other actions yeah. and that then creates the story. And so I think that, that was the, the real memorable moment.
0: Do ever people ever think about, for example, the GM taking Jason outside and having that conversation and leaving him there, walking back in and going right, the door slammed closed behind him what'd you do?
3: We've we had do, a yeah. couple of those, but in some ways it's more satisfying to know as a player To feel
1: smart, to
0: be like, well, done I don't know that I think It depends on the situation,
1: but I think there's a trust element, right? If you trust your players that they will still react in character to right. what their character knows, because there is a difference between what your character mm. knows and what your players know Yeah. Mm. I if- invent an iPhone <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So if you if you trust your players to act based on what their character knows, yeah, then you get a much more rewarding experience because everyone is being honest about it. Yeah.
2: Okay. It's that integrity, isn't it, of mm. what you're playing? Yeah.
1: yeah.
3: Exactly. I think the classic example is is kind of like okay, there's a crate, and before we open it, we're going to check it for traps, and you roll a two, mm-hmm. and so your DM says you don't find any traps
1: I'm going to check over traps as well
3: <laughs> yeah. yeah whereas of course what you have to do is say brilliant no traps and open it and then of course it explodes in your face that's the the integrity exactly is, is buying into the story yeah, yeah. more but reasons
0: why you haven't been playing yeah, seven so. people are going now I'm going to check it for traps <laughs> yeah I can shatter at it. If <laughs> <Steve. laughs>
2: have you got a cool sci-fi moment? Powers a recollection of the other guys just absolutely astounding, <laughs> yeah. mate. Well, it's no, not that no, no, long. Like, no, don't no, you have no, jobs no, and families uh, and uh, stuff? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. Again, and not question. I think it's more the you know, when you get toward the end of it and you start joining up all the dots. Okay. And you have those ah moments what's going, going on, and light bulb goes on. Yeah. So our traveller GM is incredibly good at uh, doing that, and we all we actually sit around as a group, smile at each other, going ah. It makes sense now Yeah I mean I'm just Enjoying the ride so. Sounds
0: like you're Very chilled at the back Relaxing the whole time yeah. I mean, If something needs killing You kill anybody, it and Anybody, anybody need hitting We'll yeah. be in yeah. It's really fun as a
1: GM Though to just seed ideas yeah. Knowing that you know That might not come up For a month Three months A oh, year yeah. down the line And just kind of Putting it in there Knowing realistically From from the player side That the players Will almost certainly forget But you know it's in there yeah. You know they reacted to it as was a thing That's just, some
0: yeah. G.R.R. Martin There uh, <laughs> Foreshadowing going on Over there Okay What next in role-playing games for you guys? Steve, what's moving on to? I mean, you touched on it already.
2: Yeah, so we'll get into Cthulhu. Carry on playing Traveller, get back into Pathfinder. uh, And um, the 7th edition Cthulhu, I've got so much to read through. I literally have a foot and a half tall stack of books beside my bed (laughs) uh, to to read through. I think I might just stick with the the, the five-minute easy intro guide. (laughs) Cthulhu, one you were talking about. But uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to that and just making time for it, really. And are you,
0: She so you said you're going to run a Murder on the Orient Express campaign? Oh, I that didn't day? say that. Oh, yeah, no. You're
2: putting words in my mouth now. I'm sorry. Do you have the Murder
0: on the Orient Express campaign book from your yeah. very generous family. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but, so you're not necessarily going to run a campaign that specific?
2: I, uh, no, I, I will probably run a pre generated campaign just to get everyone used to it. Okay. Um, I mean, the trick is to just put will... something
1: in the diary. I mean, how's tomorrow?
2: so uh, i but i will go into it with also the not be restricted by the rules and if we go off something else and there'll be no soup making that is a rule i'm afraid (laughs) braziers may make an appearance (laughs) hand lamps
0: a lot of hand lamps in cthulhu i think Um, what was that what was that hand gesture be turning on a hand okay (laughs) (laughs) and expressing my thoughts Adam, next for role playing <laughs> games?
3: Continuing with the, the games we're playing and then trying to do some more GMing, either sticking with GURPS or I've just recently bought uh, Fate Core. Fate is a slightly more abstracted way of doing role play. So it's um, like GURPS, Danger, it has Danger no setting. <laughs> <laughs> um, there's, there's no setting to it. Okay, so so you're in this place and, and you're travelling and maybe you go and buy things and, and kind of you, you don't have so much of a, a fully realised surrounding. It's that you do scenes, so... You move from one scene to another, and it's it's much more abstracted in the way that things work and the way things come out. And it's, Fiasco worked? Uh, I think it's quite similar. Oh, I've not played there, Fiasco. Sorry, no, we both did So But that. it's based around what they call aspects. So it's much, much more collaborative with the other players that they say, okay, this is an aspect of my character. And so then in order to create the scene, you say, okay, I'm going to impose theater this on or RPG? you. RPG? It's perhaps closer to theatre. It's somewhere <laughs> in between. So, uh, I mean, actually, when we were playing... Edge of the Empire Lloyd's girlfriend was there and she kind of came in and made some food and sat down on the sofa and she was like this is great it's like watching telly <laughs> so, really bad it, it telly yeah. Really yeah. Bad, yeah. It's underfunded. but you know the <laughs> actors so yeah. you kind of yeah
1: so, when soap operas do a live episode and everything goes slightly wrong. <laughs> so was she playing your role when you
0: had to watch that original role playing game for, for eight sessions or whatever because they let you have a go <laughs> <laughs>
1: Lloyd, next few you role-playing So I've got three weeks into our next Edge of the Empire campaign, so I figure I've if I start date, prepping yeah. now, yeah. I might have actually read something by the time it comes around.
0: <laughs> yeah. He won't. He definitely <laughs> won. really won't. really will Are you going to give me my one-off character so I can join in and be a bit of a... It's a collaborative effort. You have
2: effort, to wear a right? gimp suit for six sessions. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
0: exactly. <laughs> I've worn it at home,
1: but separate. <laughs> okay. You committed the cardinal crime right off the bat. You were like, just roll up a character for me, send yeah. it to me. That's not how <laughs> it works. <laughs>
0: I was supposed That's to be in and out. I'm a story element from him to come in and play. No, no one's grabbing me. Okay. Uh, for myself, possibly dipping in and out of Edge of Empire if I'm allowed to, if that does work. I, I bought the uh, Faith sci fi role playing game with the three races in the galaxy and an outside threat turns up, and you've got a 12 scenario campaign ready to go, which is a bit more board gamer friendly which is on cards and stuff like that so um i'm still would like to give that a go gm and i'm not sure i've played enough recently to be a good gm but maybe pull on my distant memory of doing it previously so to wrap up because this is going out more to a board gaming audience who like i said it feels like there's been a renaissance of role-playing games it's like it's coming back with fifth edition and all the rest of it and certainly many more people around me as we've been hearing have been going into them Any tips for a player wanting to move into
2: role-playing games? So, if uh, you're born-again players like myself, there is a podcast called The Grognard Files that my friend Chris and his team do. Would Um, you say
1: it's the best gaming podcast you know? For... (laughs) For, uh, it was until today <laughs> 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 but from specifically episode 91 it was a yeah. yeah. long episode. pause gee can you time out on that pause <laughs>
2: <laughs> that's really aimed at, at people like myself who maybe have strayed away from the path and then getting back into it reminiscing about game room RuneQuest so why Traveller do you think
0: because it does seem to be another thing that like, people have moved away yeah and then come back in again. It's just, is it just because we're a certain age I think that this right. is what's going on? It's always
3: happened. Yeah, yeah, I think maybe it's just having the time and the, the resources. Right. And yeah, because I assume
1: yeah. both of your kids are of a similar age, right? So it's that point yeah. where they're sort of semi independent and you yeah. start yeah. actually having some time. Again. Reclaim
2: some of our own time. Yeah. Um, and also we're touching on GMing about preparing for GMing what I did was go onto YouTube and you have actually people playing sessions there yeah, so yeah. you can get tips on how to run it just there watch a session watch what's going on and you see the dynamic between the GM and the players and how that runs so there's, there's some- that
0: guy on Geek and Sundry right there everyone mm-hmm. raves about there's that guy in Yeah, no. and yeah. Diesel. that thing. is an entire oh a- yes yes yeah. yes, yes. Go- I do know that yeah. one yeah. an
1: entire group of professional voice actors that is a very intimidating bar to set Yeah, <laughs> I didn't think they were all that <laughs>
2: And a bag of potato <laughs> chips. So yeah, to answer your questions, it's Grognar Files, really good podcast, especially for old school games. And yeah, have a look on YouTube and see how the the games interact. If you want to get into it, cool. Um, so yeah, just do it. Nice.
3: Adam? I think, actually, and also perhaps this is a reason why there's been a small renaissance and there's been more board gamers getting into it, is that 5th edition D&D comes with a really great starter set. Yeah. You don't have to read the entire lore and all the rules. Yeah. It gives you a nice, easy introduction. by a starter set, and as Lloyd said earlier, just put a date in the diary. Just do it. When I started reading and seeing these whole starter sets, I don't have to read
0: five... A4 manuals mm. of, of this, that, and the other to be able to do it. It's just all here for me. It's yeah. just fantastic. So I think, yeah. as much as people are going back to the hobby, the hobbies come towards people as well, a bit more. Really? And it's less of the, oh no, this is, this is our Arcana that unearthed Arcana,
1: even. Lloyd? Um, actually, mine's similar to Adam's. So for me, the first one jamming was getting the Edge of Empire campaign a uh, starter set, I should say. So it's by FFG, so you have that kind of confidence that it's from a board game publisher that you're familiar with. You mm-hmm. understand the quality, broadly speaking, of their output. But yeah. the the starter set is uh, it's consistent yes. at least. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, it is consistent. <laughs> the starter set is incredibly accessible because I mean, for me, not knowing D and I wasn't somebody that was into it as a kid. So mm-hmm. the lore and things wasn't accessible to me. Someone would go, oh, wormling turns up, and I'm like, I don't know what that is. But for me. Star Wars is probably the most accessible thing. As somebody who hasn't been a fan of it, I say for 20 years, it's still easy to jump into and know roughly what everything is. Mm -hmm. Um, The starter set that they do is incredibly easy in that literally every person turns up just gets a booklet, it's cool. On the back is your background, read that, then open it up onto the first page and it tells you everything you need to know. know. And it literally just goes through seven boxes, like when you're rolling dice, this is what you roll. When you're doing something, this is what you look at. And for the GM, it's admittedly a very you know, railroading heavy scenario, mm-hmm. but it takes you through all the steps. And it says, you know what, if they go off the path, flick to the back and there's all these other things that you can answer. You know, oh, cool. There's a wolf down a hole if they want to do something stupid. <laughs> 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 but all of those things are there. And so it's an incredibly easy first intro. And there are basically no rules you have to read to start.
0: The biggest hurdle is in your mind. Okay, so thank you very much for joining us for episode 91 of The Game Pit. First of all, thank you very much to my wonderful guest, Stephen. It's goodbye from them, and it's goodbye from me. Very good. good Adam. Thank you. Lloyd. See you in two years when the next ban is up. <laughs> when you move on to some other quirky corner of gaming. <laughs> Thanks a lot for joining us, guys. We're going to go back to more regular board game and car game coverage next time around and Sean will be back I hope you haven't missed him too much
1: the big man will return
0: <laughs> we are members of the Dice Tower network head to dicetower.com where you will find lots of fantastic gaming coverage you can get all our episodes on iTunes, Podbean and Stitcher if you want to get in contact with us we are on Twitter and Facebook at Game Pit Podcast it's the Game Pit Podcast at gmail.com or head to our BGG Guild thank you and we'll see you next time music by E. Aaron.
1: They <laughs> <laughs> can just be you, and the <laughs> three of us be like, no. We'll <laughs>